Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents part two of his teaching on healing for the brokenhearted. Well, this morning, we're talking about healing for the brokenhearted, part two. Healing for the brokenhearted, part two. Last week, we began by saying that there are many causes for a wounded soul or a broken heart. And we covered a few of them that I believe are at the top of the list, namely words were spoken against you. I'm sure everybody's had that scenario unfold in their lives. Also, we talked about how that you were rejected by your family or or by your peers and how painful uh, that is and how it can lead to heartache, a wounded soul and and a broken heart. We also took some time to define what I mean when I speak of the human heart. I believe and teach that the human heart is composed of two components, the spirit and the soul in combination. And if you're born again and you read your Bible, you find out that your spirit man is incorruptible, just like God's and can't be broken. So the part that we're talking about when I say a broken heart is actually a broken or a wounded soul. I just wanted you to get that straight. It's the only part of your heart that can be broken. If your spirit man, which is a part of your heart, is incorruptible, he can't be affected by emotions or the ups and downs of life. But your soul man, which is the seed of your mind, your will, your emotions, your personality, your intellect, it can very much be affected by the ups and downs of life. Amen? Hallelujah. You can actually be wounded in your soul and your heart can be broken. Hallelujah. We also talked about how universal the experience of a broken heart is. I mean, every culture, every nation, every people group, if you were to ask them, almost everybody has had their heart broken at least once or twice in their life. Amen? Isn't that right? If you live and breathe on this planet, sooner or later, people will hurt you. People will let you down. Life and the circumstances of life will try to drag you down. Isn't that right? So I want to start part two of this series by making sure that everybody knows that regardless of the cause of a wounded soul, regardless of the cause of a broken heart, Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. Jesus came to bind up your wounded soul, whatever the cause. Amen? Psalm 147, verse 2 and 3 in the New King James Version. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers together the outcast of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. I want to examine this a little closer. First of all, He gathers together the outcast of Israel. Why are people outcast? Well, they're outcast because they feel ostracized, They feel shunned. They don't feel like they belong anywhere. Amen. But the Bible says that the Lord gathers together the outcast and he heals their broken heart and binds up their wounds. I love the way it's spoken in the original Hebrew. It says he heals the pieces of their crushed heart and binds up their wounds 
or their sorrows. Amen. What a wonderful picture of the heart of our God. He seeks out the brokenhearted because he wants to bring healing to your soul. Amen. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 in the King James Version. You know, the background on this verse is that Jesus, as was his custom on the Sabbath day, he got up to read in his hometown of Nazareth, his home synagogue, he got up to read the scroll of Isaiah. And on that day, he said, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. I'm the one you've been waiting for. I come to heal the brokenhearted, among other things. Amen. So that's the background of this verse. Let's read it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. That means people that are emotionally shattered. To preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to set at liberty those that are crushed in their souls. Amen. So as we go through more of the common causes of a broken heart or a wounded soul, let's keep these words in the back of our mind. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted and bind up the wounded soul. Amen. He is the answer to your broken heart. All right, so the first one I want to talk about is one that's very touchy and one that is very much affecting a large segment of our population. So I don't want anybody to think that I'm targeting you, okay? So I'm going to just preach to the back there, amen? You suffered through a divorce, a separation, or a breakup. Let's first talk about divorce and separation. There's nothing quite like the pain of a divorce or its predecessor, separation. Where there once was such intense love, the circumstances of your marriage have now given way to intense bitterness, disappointment, betrayal, and rejection. And these things can rip or tear your soul like no other kind of pain. Listen, you give so much of yourself to the person that you marry. Your love, your trust, your inhibitions, your vulnerabilities, the deepest secrets of your heart. And to have that person who knew you so intimately, physically, spiritually, and emotionally be separated from you regardless of the cause, it can be extremely traumatizing to the soul. And if you brought kids into the world, that introduces a whole new dynamic of pain that not only damages your soul, but can also damage the souls of your children. Separation and divorce are the epitome of a broken heart. And all of this makes sense if you consider the following scripture, Ephesians 5.31 in the King James Version. Here, Jesus quotes Adam for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Amen. The word therefore joined is also translated in other verses as cleave, and it means to stick together or to glue together, to take two parts, glue them together in such a manner that they become one. 
And when you glue two things together like paper or wood, Dan knows this because he deals with wood, and then you try to separate them later, it's very difficult to do so without ripping both pieces as you separate the two. Isn't that right? It's the same way with two married people who have become one flesh and your spirits and your souls have mingled together. The pain of separation can literally be a rip in the fabric of your soul. Now, I don't want to get into a detailed teaching on divorce, but I will say this. God hates divorce. Why? Because it was never His intention that a man and woman marry and then separated. It was His intention that a man and a woman marry for life. Amen. So bear with me for a few minutes as we read what Jesus had to say about marriage and divorce. Matthew chapter 19, verse 3 through 8 in the New Living Translation. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied? They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Then why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away, they asked. Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard heart, but it was not what God had originally intended. And I tell you this, Whoever divorces his wife, now keep in mind, you've got to read verse 9 in the context of verse 3. They said, can a man divorce his wife for any reason whatsoever? And I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife with that attitude and marries someone else commits adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. It would seem then that the only way out of a covenant of marriage that's acceptable to God is the case where one spouse has been unfaithful to the other. But listen, if you zero in on that, like so many people do, they zero in on that verse and they go, adultery, oh my God, oh my God. The larger point that Jesus is trying to make here is that God intended for a man and woman to marry for life. That's the point He was trying to make. And to take marriage so lightly that you could write off your wife for any reason whatsoever, proves Jesus' point that hardness of heart was and is the number one cause of divorce. Hey, my wife burnt my steak two nights in a row. She's out of here. A ridiculous notion, but this is what they were asking. Is it lawful for a man to put his wife away for any reason? She made me mad. She's got to go. She burnt the steak, she overcooked the beans, and dinner was late. So I gave her her walking papers. This is what they were asking Jesus, and Jesus responded pretty vehemently. Listen, you don't understand the heart and mind of God. 
it was his intention that a man and wife be married for life. That when they encountered problems, they worked through them and made it work. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, let me just say this. This is a very, very sensitive subject. I think it's clear in the eyes of God that divorce is a sin. But hear me out. It is not an unforgivable sin. It's not. There is restoration for people who've suffered a divorce. There is restoration. There is healing. There is healing for their wounded soul. There is the healing of their broken heart. God's not just going to cast you off just because you made a mistake or you ended up divorcing your wife or your husband. That's not the God we serve. He's the God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances. Amen? I don't mean that you need to go out there and get married two, three, and four times. Hopefully you learn something from the marriage that ended so sorrowfully that you won't make the same mistake again. Amen? Hallelujah. There is forgiveness for divorce, and there is restoration for those who've suffered through divorce. And listen, and God can and will bless another marriage if you let Him heal your heart first. Amen? If you trust God, He can heal your broken heart. And when all the dust settles, he can find the right person for you and bring them into your life. He came to heal the brokenhearted. And if your heart was broken because of divorce, he came to heal your broken heart. He came to restore you. There is life after divorce, abundant life. My wife and I have good friends that we've known for over 20 years. The husband was married once, but his wife was married four times. And they just celebrated their 20-year anniversary. But my point is, listen, she had been married four times. He'd been married one time. It would seem like a big mess. But God was able to restore her broken heart and bring the right man into her life. And they've been together ever since. Amen. I'm saying it again because I don't want you to leave here thinking there's no hope for you if you've been divorced. Even one or two or three times. God came to heal the broken hearted. He sent Jesus just for you. Amen. There is hope. Some people say, well, I'm married seven times and I never found the right woman. You know, sometimes I think about guys like that. Maybe you need to look in the mirror and think, well, maybe there's something wrong with me. Amen. It goes both ways. I don't know how I got off on that. Let me see if I get this joke right. I heard one preacher say this. (laughs) So a man starts out. By leaving his house and kissing his wife goodbye. Sadly, sometimes he ends up leaving his wife and kissing his house goodbye. (laughs) Tough crowd. I don't know if that'll make the cut on the podcast. Did everybody at least get it? Okay, all right. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 
You know, Pastor Scott, I got to get humor in there somewhere. This is a pretty heavy topic. Hallelujah. Let's talk about breakups. All of the pains that we've talked about associated with divorce can also manifest in your soul during the breakup of a long-term dating relationship. I know I've been there. I had a high school girlfriend for two years. I had a college girlfriend for three years. Both of them ended up in devastating fashion. You know, first time I got broke up with, next time I broke up with her, you know. And I'm telling you, the same pains can lodge in your heart if you're not careful. And they can be intensified if you've allowed yourself to fall into a sexual relationship outside of the bonds of marriage. That kind of intimacy was designed to be between a man and his wife for couples who've entered into a covenant between one another and with God. So now you have to deal with the added guilt of sexual sin as well as the soul ties that you formed with that other person. And all of that has to be broken off your life so your heart can heal and you can put yourself together again spiritually and emotionally. Amen? So a word to the wise. If you're not married... Don't go there. It'll hurt even worse when you break up. The soul ties will be even more intense. And, and listen, there's still restoration for you. And Jesus can heal your broken heart. But don't suffer from self-inflicted wounds. Amen? Just don't go there. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. That was the tough one. Gets a little easier. People close to you made promises they didn't keep. They let you down. They weren't there for you when you needed them the most. I could ask for a show of hands, but I'm pretty sure I'd get a unanimous show of hands on that one. Maybe you were moving from one city to another and you asked your friends to help you come pack up your U-Haul. And when the time came for everyone to show up, Less than half the people that promised they would be there actually showed up. So you and your wife and a couple of your friends, you know, spent all night through the night, one o'clock in the morning, packing your U-Haul. Then you had to get up at dawn and drive for 12 hours to your destination. I use that example because it has happened to me. Maybe you lost a loved one. And none of your friends called you or came to visit you or tried to comfort you in any way. Maybe you got fired from your job and you were devastated and nobody seemed to care. I could give you a host of other examples, but the point is the same. People that were close to you, people that should have been there for you, were not there for you when you needed them the most and it really hurt your soul. It broke your heart. I want you to know that Jesus knows how you feel. He's been there. He's done that. And he has the t-shirt. He knows how you feel. He knows that kind of abandonment and a level that we will never experience. Let's read about it in Matthew chapter 26, verse 36 through 46 in the New King James Version. This is a heart-breaking, heart-rending passage to read here. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane, 
and said to his disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Let me tell you how we would say it. I'm so depressed, I just want to lay down and die. Would you just stand with me and pray with me and help me get through this hour? Would you just be there for me? He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Couldn't you spare one hour out of the last 24 to stand with me through my darkest hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time, he went away and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Now, most of you are familiar with this scripture, but let me just give you a little bit of background. This passage covers the time when Jesus and his disciples were in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he knew by the Spirit that his betrayal was at hand. He was depressed, listen to me, beyond a normal human's ability to bear. He was about to face a mockery of a trial, a savage scourging, and an excruciatingly painful crucifixion. But beyond all of that, as horrible as that was, he was about to take on the sin of the whole world. He is about to be separated from his heavenly Father, and this was something he had never before experienced. Throughout eternity, before he took on flesh, he was the Word of God. He was with God. They were always together in unity, and the thought of being separated from his Father was just more than he could bear. The very thought of it brought dread and extreme agony to his soul. And in this, his darkest hour, listen to me, the people that were closest to him, his inner circle, Peter, James, and John, they didn't pick up on the depth of anxiety and the depression that Jesus was dealing with. No matter how many times he pleaded with them to stand and pray with him, they just didn't get it. They weren't there for him when he needed them the most. And to add insult to injury, listen to me. If you read the whole story, you find out that promises were made that were not kept. All the disciples swore that they would stand by Jesus' side to the death. Every one of them. But every one of them broke and ran at the first sign of trouble when they came to get Jesus. 
He was totally alone in his darkest hour. His friends let him down. They made promises they did not keep. And I think we can all relate. But I say again, none of us can relate to the anguish and the crushing of the soul that Jesus experienced that night. Thank God he prayed through. You read the story, an angel came and ministered to him, and he was able to do it. Thank God he was able to endure the cross for the joy that was set before him, and thank God he did. Amen. But he did it alone. So when you feel abandoned by your friends, when they made promises they didn't keep, they weren't there for you when you needed them the most, believe me, Jesus knows how you feel. He does. Church people, believers, even church leaders treated you horribly and did you wrong. Psalm 55, 12 through 14 in the NIV paints a picture of this sad commentary. If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising up against me, I could hide. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God as we walked about among the worshipers. Wow. It's one thing when the world lets you down, but quite another when church people, even church leaders, treat you horribly and do you wrong. It's a sad commentary, but I think most of you who've been walking with the Lord for a while can relate to what I'm about to say. The people who have hurt me the most in Christian ministry were other Christians supposedly walking in love, born again, spirit-filled, walking in love Christians hurt me in the depth of my soul. And I know I'm not alone. I heard people say this, and I've said it myself. My wife and I, at one point in our ministry, this has been 20 years ago, we looked at each other and we said, if this is the way that Christian ministers treat one another or treat the people of God, I'm not sure I want to be a part of this. And we came this close to leaving the ministry. Listen, Jesus, he still knows how you feel. His harshest critics, his most vehement opposition came from the religious leaders of his day. And they were ultimately responsible for nailing him to that cross. The ones who should have recognized him. The ones that knew the word, but didn't see the word when he was standing right in front of them. All they could do was find fault and try to destroy him. All right. So if you've experienced, and I can tell by some of the people's eyes, you know, you've experienced this. Listen, if you're not careful, it can drive you out of church and it can drive you out of your call and your ministry. Don't allow that to happen. Don't allow that to happen. I remember when Trish and I were at our lowest 20 years ago and we were ready to quit the ministry. The Lord spoke to us and he said, did they call you to ministry or did I? I said, Lord, you did. And he said, don't worry about them. 
just dust yourself off, get up, and keep moving. So let me end this session by emphasizing once again that Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. Can I get a big amen? He's seen it all. He's experienced it all. So he's uniquely qualified to bind up your wounds and help you heal your broken heart. Amen. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16 in the King James Version. We are all familiar with this passage. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. If you have a broken heart, you can go to the throne of grace and say, My heart is broken. I need your mercy. I need your help. I want to release these people, but I don't seem to have the strength. I need you to infuse me with your love so I can loose this pain and release the people responsible for this pain. Help me, Jesus. If you'll do that, he'll help you heal your broken heart. It's not just him. He can't just wave his magic wand and give you a new heart. There are steps that you have to take. And one of them is you have to loose the pain from your soul and you have to release the people that did you wrong. You got to do it. I said last week, I'll say it again. Holding a grudge or hating the people that are responsible for your pain is like drinking poison and expecting them to die. You're only hurting yourself if you hold on to these pains and don't release these people. And listen, let me tell you, it might take you more than one occasion for this to take root in your heart. Just recently, I thought I was over some things. I, it's been about three weeks ago, and, and, and the Lord revealed that there was still some pain in there. Some people had said some things about me, people that did me wrong. You know, 10 years ago when I was still flying for the Air Force Reserve, the Lord said, there's still some pain there. Why don't you release them again? Why don't you loose that pain again? So I went before the Lord and I said, Lord, I loose the pain from my soul for what so-and-so said about me when they came against me without cause. I released the people responsible. I called them out by name. Do it as many times as you have to until it takes root in your heart. Amen? And until your until your spirit man What's in him until the joy, the love, the mercy, the compassion, the forgiveness that's in your spirit, man, flows into your soul, into your mind, your will, your emotions, your intellect, and your personality. That's the essence of a healed heart is when your heart is united. Your spirit, man, and your soul are on the same page. You know, Psalm 86, 11 says, Unite my heart that I might fear your name and do your will. To me, that's talking about the ultimate reconciliation, the ultimate healing of the broken heart when the spirit and the soul are in harmony together. There is healing for your broken heart. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But I want to read Hebrews 4, 15 and 16 in the message translation. 
so powerful. I don't always like the message translation. Sometimes I just don't like the way that they render certain things. But every once in a while, they get it, you know, right on target. This is one of them. Now that we know that we have Jesus, this great high priest with ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. Isn't that comforting? He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. Finally, Psalm 34, 18 in the Passion Translation. The Lord is close to all whose hearts are crushed by pain. He's close to you. He feels your pain. I know that's a cliche these days, but Jesus feels your pain. He knows what you're going through. The Lord is close to all whose hearts are crushed by pain, and he's always ready to restore the repentant one. Why do I like this version? Because it points out the dichotomy. I said this last week, and it bears repeating. Yes, he's near to those who are crushed in pain, but that doesn't give you the right to hold a grudge or hate the people that you believe were responsible for that pain. Matthew 16, 19, Jesus went to his closest followers and he said to Peter and the rest of them, Behold, I give unto you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So if we have the authority, and I said this last week and I'm probably going to say it next week. If we have the authority to loose things given to us by Jesus, then surely we can loose the pain that's lodged in our soul and we can release the people that we believe are responsible for that pain. Isn't that right? It's something we have to do. It's our part in the healing equation. He comes ready to heal the crushed in heart, but you got to do your part. You got to loose and you got to release. Amen. It simply has to be done if you want Jesus to begin the healing process. Next week. We're going to wrap up this series with something that I don't hear a lot of people talking about when it comes to healing the brokenhearted. We're going to talk about healing for those who have unfulfilled dreams. Amen? Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed part two of Dr. Forrest's teaching on healing for the brokenhearted. If you're in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, Come join us on Sunday at 10 a.m. for coffee and fellowship, 10.30 for worship and service, and on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. for spirit-filled prayer. If you would like to learn more about us, access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, and find Dr. Forrest's in-depth teaching notes, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.